0: Welcome, everyone, to Manufacturing Talk Radio. My name is Tim Grady. I'm here with Lou Weiss, who's president of All Metals and Forge Group, the sponsor for Manufacturing Talk Radio. And joining us is Tim Fiore, committee chair for the Manufacturing Report on Business from the Institute for Supply Management. You can find them at ismworld.org. And we're going to be talking about the Purchasing Manager's Index Report for this past month as it looks at what has happened and what is happening. And Tim, it looks like an an incredible positive report.
1: Yeah, what a fantastic month for sure, as we close the first quarter of 2021. uh, Lots of momentum. Momentum started really back in, uh, heavily back in November timeframe and things are just continuing. I don't think we're anywhere near the peak. If you you gauge what's going on in transportation, the transportation issues just continue to get more difficult and difficult every month. So that's all really positive for the, the moderate term and the longer term, I think.
0: Uh, No doubt. Uh, Well, I wonder if you would share with our listeners kind of the summary. And by the way, we appreciate the report that ISM sends us. We encourage people in the industry to go to ISMworld.org and sign up for this report. Very in-depth, very leading edge, by the way. Uh, This really has been a good indicator. I know, Lou, your company has used it for
2: 40 years. Just about. Thanks for giving away my birthday.
1: <laughs> I, was, I was commenting this morning that this is the highest level of the PMI since I actually started my career back in 1978. I mean, this is the highest number since uh, 38 years ago. It was a it was probably the Reagan bounce, right? When yeah. Reagan started to really juicy economy up. This, this is the highest number that we've seen in the PMI since then. So we're kind of dating each other a little bit here, but that's fine. Um, You know, I was mentioning earlier on that uh, we set a lot of records in the last 12 months, but most of those records were on rates of change, difference month to month. This is an absolute uh, record uh, in in the modern day, right? 38 years, 64.7, incredible number, uh, all supported by really strong sub-indexes. So we had all 10 of the sub-indexes in positive territory. Nine of those 10 uh, actually expanded or were improvements from the prior month. The only one that was a little bit uh, sluggish was uh, new export orders, which we can talk about later. But you know, I talk about demand consumption and inputs and uh, you know, demand is kind of the whole message here. We've been talking about demand uh, for the last three months. Three months ago, it was confusing whether demand was driving the expansion or there was gonna be more supply chain issues that would kind of slow it down. And there was concern about demand being strong and I don't think there's any concern anymore. Uh, We're still in an input restricted expansion here, but I think also the month of March kind of converted it from an absolute demand versus restricted inputs. And I think we're, even if we didn't have restricted inputs, I think we would still be struggling with trying to keep up with the demand. So the demand is really the key, you know, new orders at 68, record since January of, of 04, June of 04 was the last time we saw a number of that level. Uh, supported by the new export order, was softened a little bit by 2.7 points at 54.5. Still pretty good. I mean, I'm not going to get overly worried about that. Could be just a seasonality issue here, or, or maybe more importantly, what's going on in Europe. Europe is slowing down again. But probably most importantly on the demand side, we had customer inventories at absolute record lows. And I think this is like our sixth month below 40, which is really way too low inventory. Just think about empty shelves. And we absolutely have empty shelves now at 29.9 customer inventory level. And if you look at all the the top six industry sectors that I watch, they're all down in that territory. So you know the big industries that drive the manufacturing economy have very low customer inventories.
2: So let me ask you a question about that. Uh, If the inventories are at record lows um, and new orders is at record highs, how does that work? Why why is the inventory so low if they're already placing their orders? Or is there a time lapse?
1: Well, I mean, there could be a little bit of a bump there in the new order level just to try to get those uh, customer inventory shelves filled. That could be taking place here, and I, I think that's, that's part of it. But I think it's absolutely pure demand across all the industry sectors that's driving that demand. Uh, absolute demand by customers, consumers or industrial customers. I think it's just... Taken off, and then you know to top that all off. I mean, we ended up with the strongest backlog number ever. We've never had a backlog number this high. So you know, high input demand, customer inventories very low, uh, backlog ended up at record highs. So that all bodes really well for the future, for sure.
2: Well, we have definitely pulled out two quotes that you just gave. One record highs, and the other one. Uh, the record low of uh, twenty nine, whatever <laughs> yeah. uh, for inventory. So uh, we're going to have to throw
1: your throw a quote out there for you. You're more than welcome to do that. So let's yeah. so let's talk about consumption. You know, the, the produ- consumption for me is production and employment, and I, I see that as kind of a result of demand and inputs. So production's uh, at sixty eight point one, highest number since June of 04 again. So you know, really good number. And employment almost got to sixty. And you know, we've been struggling with employment since uh, the whole pandemic started. So we're continuing to struggle, but we made some progress, you know, across all the industry sectors, more to come. But, you know, I think, like I said, March, I think is a month where, you know, the, 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 the people impact because of the virus is now diminishing. And the demand growth is overwhelming. it. So, and I see every month that goes by, the employment situation should improve A little bit offset, though, by the fact that we now have uh, extended unemployment benefits through September of this year, which makes it really hard for manufacturing people to get people back to work. We're still struggling. Uh, We had some pretty high numbers on the hire-to-fire ratio and the hire-to-force-manage. I think the hire-to-fire was 13 to 1. So we had 13 companies looking to hire and only one looking to fire. And I think we had 5 to 1 people looking to hire versus manage their workforce, and the difference between fire and the workforce is really attrition and hiring freezes. So we still had five companies looking for people versus one not. And that's a, that's a really good, num- best number that we've had since I've been tracking it for the last six or seven months.
2: And that all of that is with skill gaps and the fact that the manufacturing industry is minus about 3 million workers that they need coming up in, within the next decade.
1: Yeah, and you hit a good point there on skill gaps. I mean, we're, there's, there's still high unemployment levels. Last time I looked, there was still 19 million Americans out of work. Right. But they're not so much primarily in the manufacturing side. You know, manufacturing is not a big employer anyway. It's really Anthony's side on the services piece. But we're continuing to have problems with people not coming to work, people uh, hiring on and staying for two weeks, not liking the work and going home, going back on unemployment. There's absolutely a, a bias in the states to allow people to stay on unemployment. You know, usually you have to go out and look for three jobs every two weeks and, and submit that on your form to continue to get unemployment. They have waived that. And, uh, and no state agency is willing to throw anybody off unemployment, even though their prior employer is still hiring. So you got you got a weird dynamic going on here. And, you know, so I'm OK with it, except I'm really not OK with it through September. So it's just going to be overhang now. We're not going to get this fixed until probably October, November from a labor standpoint.
2: Well, then there's the, uh, the wind in the sail situation that if COVID starts to come back in the fall.
1: Well, I don't know. I mean, the vaccines are deploying pretty well. What is it? 25% of uh, the population is vaccinated. There's another assumption that 15 or 20 are naturally immune because they've contracted it and stuff. So that's almost half. And that, that 25% number is probably up you know, maybe 30% from last month. So... And I think the deployment of the vaccine is, has has progressed very well, exceeding expectations. The manufacturers in the pharma industry, building all manufacturing all those vaccines, have done a great job. The people distributing it, uh, large scale and at clinics, have done a great job. I don't think that anybody could have done much better than this. So it's just a matter of time, really, for everybody to be kind of safe. I you know I've noticed a big difference. You know I live in Florida, and I mentioned to to, to Tim when I got on here that I'm up in Connecticut. And I'll tell you, there's a big difference in the way people deal with it. And, you know, Florida had a, had a pretty successful last nine months, but, you know, we're, we're kind of outside more anyway. But up in the Northeast, people are still inside. There's still a lot of tables that are separated. They're still running at half capacity and stuff. But, right. but one of the interesting things here that, uh, that did pop up, you know, I watched the industry sectors and, I, and food and beverage was one of our strongest industry sectors for the better part of this pandemic. And then it kind of eased. Around the holiday period, uh, it fell into number three or number four in terms of growth. And it bounced back this month to a, a very high expansion number. And I think that's because restaurants and entertainment and things are opening up and drawing more uh, demands to the uh, to the food manufacturer. So good indicator there. We'll, you know, we'll talk a bit about the industry sectors towards the end because I, I love to talk about those. The, the electronic side really bounced up too. We had about a 10-point increase in its own PMI month to month. And uh, you know, people are, are reading about all the chip problems. They're real. The lead times are long. It's nothing that's gonna be resolved and in the next six weeks. Uh, indications are now that it's probably gonna carry through to the fall. And that's gonna to continue to kind of handcuff the manufacturing sector.
2: Especially automotive.
1: Yeah, and so on the transportation equipment side, we had a little bit of a softening this month. Uh, transportation equipment's been climbing out really steadily since August of last year we had a little bit of a bump, I think, back in November, but very you know, very little softening. But it softened this month. And, and I think the reason is, is that you know, the auto guys are having rolling furloughs because they just don't have the material. So they can't keep their, their plants employed and produce cars when you're missing you know, key parts. You just can't roll them off and leave them out in the lot. So they've chosen to uh, furlough people. But you know, all that really means is that that's going to be pent-up demand when uh, semiconductors and plastics kind of free up because plastics are a big problem right now then there's going to be, there's a lot of car lots that are empty. The uh, customer inventory number in the transportation equipment sector is down in the 20s. So, you know, they're going to have to refill all that. And the good thing, I think, about all this inventory stuff is even when demand kind of eases a bit, you know, we got to refill the manufacturing, raw material inventory. You've noticed it's been hanging around 49 to 51. It's not really growing. And, you know, we want it to grow. And the customer inventory number is extremely low. And all those shelves have to be filled. So even when demand kind of slackens off here, we're still probably going to be a couple of months to refill inventories, if not three months.
0: Tim, there's some talk about the GDP uh, first quarter, maybe second quarter being in the eight to 10 range Would this number compute to that.
1: Well, I saw the Fed revise their, uh, revise their G- GDP for 2021 really high. I think it's six 6.5, they're thinking. We're going to see a 6.5% growth in 2021. That's a really good number. I'm uh, yeah, happy to see that. Boom. I'm not sure I've ever lived through that. I think I'm living through it now, which is good. Right, right. So nice. We'll see. We'll see what happens in Q1. I think Q1 is going to be pretty strong. Tim. I think it's going to be a pretty strong number.
0: Lou and I were talking earlier about pricing in, in the steel industry, uh, hot rolled and cold rolled is almost at all time highs and pricing in your report seems to be moving with, you know, that upward trend. At some point, inflation is going to appear. Would you agree?
1: Well, I mean, real inflation is a function of the value of the dollar too. Uh, and and I, I don't know that I can really provide an opinion on that. The dollar has been weak uh, for the better part of a year due to all that stimulus. I think it firmed up a little bit in February, maybe a little bit in March. But I, I think generally the trend is is that the dollar will continue to be weak. And that drives up commodity prices. So you know, your point here on steel is absolutely right. I think it's thirteen fifty a short time. Never been seen that high ever. And, uh, and usually, you know, I'm a steel watcher. I've mentioned this before on your show. Steel generally starts to heal over in the March-April timeframe, soften a little bit. Uh, you know, as we go into the building month and the building period, and everybody's already ordered and is receiving a good part of their steel inventory, steel capacity is only at seventy-eight percent, seventy-nine percent utilization. Doesn't seem to want to get above eighty. And if it doesn't get to 83, 84, 85, eighty-four, eighty-five, you're going to see high steel prices continue. So, uh, and, and you know, my thing on steel is that when when steel starts to heal over in March and April. You are know, probably looking at a 1.5 to, to 1.9 GDP here. and you know, I don't see any end in sight of steel right now. And then, you know, aluminum, same thing. Aluminum just continues to escalate. Um, and then, the, you know, the third one here that's been of interest is plastics. Uh, the plastics one, I do see some uh, relief. The plastic issue is primarily related to the Gulf Coast impacts and the you know the difficult weather that Texas and Louisiana had, and, and the impact on Refineries and they were really damaged. That that freeze really damaged some very expensive, long lead equipment that you need to run those uh, those uh, plants. And I, I don't think that's going to get resolved for another month either. And and that's driving up massive shortages and impacts on transportation because you know you got you're shipping half truckloads. Uh, but that you know that's a weather related issue that they're working on. And there's a lot of force majeures that are still currently occurring in the Gulf Coast, but. And probably by the time we hit mid-May, that'll fall behind, and the plastics industry will kind of get back up. You know, you've seen a bunch of things happening in some of these key industries, electronics and plastics. There's a big plant in Mexico that's had difficulty getting natural gas. They got impacted when all the gas got shut off going into Mexico. There's also some arguments there with the Mexican government about allocations. And then I think you, know, you probably saw that Renesas, the, uh, the semiconductor manufacturer in Japan, had a fire in one of their facilities. And... Uh, it's taken out a lot more capacity than they thought at first. And I think uh, they're probably a 30% provider of microchips to the automotive industry. So that's going to, especially the Japanese cars, that's going to be an issue for another three or four months. So, you know, we're still in an input restricted expansion, I think, but I'm not exactly sure it's so much labor related. Uh, Labor is absolutely an issue. Like I said, we can't get them, but I think the demand is so incredible that uh, even if there wasn't a labor issue, we'd, we'd have trouble keeping up.
2: The uh, just as an aside, the incident in the Suez Canal, where the the dummy captain who parked his uh, little boat sideways in the canal, and it that was about ten days, and they claimed ten billion a day in lost uh, revenues. Is there any long long term effect of that uh, hundred million dollar? Uh, Inventory that uh, didn't get to where it's supposed to. You
1: know, I think the, probably the bigger issue is still the, the West Coast ports. Uh, uh, you know, I think the stuff coming through the Suez generally goes to Europe. You know, the Europe and China are bigger trading partners than we are with China.
0: Right.
1: And I think the impact U.S. manufacturing will be if there's components coming from China to Europe and then Europe shipping them to the U.S. There's going to be an impact there, but. You know, ten or eleven days, as far as uh, the manufacturing U.S. is concerned, is probably not going to have a big issue. Okay. So in the old your... days, in the old days pre Reagan, when we bought so much oil from uh, the Middle East, it would it would definitely be an issue. We'd be okay. in fuel lines by now, I think. But <laughs> for, fortunately, we don't have that issue anymore. You're right,
0: right. What are your respondents saying, Tim? What are they feeling?
1: We had an 8.5 to 1 sentiment, positive sentiment, and also positive. That's the highest number that we've had uh, since probably the, the peak period back in uh, 2018. So everybody's very strong, feels very uh, bullish about the economy. Uh, very few industry sectors are, are, are feeling you know, a, a headwind on this. So you know, really, really positive sentiment across the entire manufacturing community.
0: You know, Lou and I chuckle sometimes when these reports become very, very good, it becomes more and more difficult to chat about stuff because there's no <laughs> real negative downside in trying to figure out what's going to fix the downside because it's all upside and we just encourage it and hope it keeps going. We have to invent some negatives.
1: <laughs> no, no, let's, let's talk about the positives. So one of the positive. let's talk about inputs first. And then, then I, want, I want to talk a little bit about transportation.
2: Okay.
1: So the input side, you know, supplier deliveries, inventories, and imports. Uh, supplier deliveries continue to expand at a 76.6, Ooh. the highest number since April of 1974. Ooh, you know, wow. And that's, that's, that's the oil crisis, I think. That's probably the oil crisis. It's, right? I think 73, right, right? 74, right? Yom Kippur war and all that. So suppliers continue to struggle and at worse rates, um, and I think the transportation sector is a big indicator of that, and I'll, I'll, I'll give you my perspective on that in a few minutes. Inventories, you know, 50, 50.8, 51. Like I said, we just can't seem to get them to move, but that's okay because the output is still there. Um, the backlog is growing. Uh, I, I don't think it's, it's absolutely restricting production, but we'd like to see it grow. If it grew, you'd see the PMI go up even higher, but uh, inventories have been a non-factor in the PMI for the last six months. And imports uh, stayed a little bit, a little bit stronger, a little bit less than a point. There's still poor congestion. Um, there's not a lot of comments here coming about coming in about uh, about China having difficulty keeping up. But uh, I like to see that import number grow too. I think the whole issue around supply chain stability seems to be diminishing. I think we're in such a demand-driven economy here that uh, we're really not spending a lot of time looking at reshoring and nearshoring. I think you're you're going back to your old sources and increasing the demand because they're qualified and they're able to manufacture. So I think, uh, I think that's the story on imports, you know, transportation is a good indicator of what happens in manufacturing, which is a good indicator of what happens in the U.S. economy. And let me, let me throw some numbers out to you here on transportation They're they're really impressive. So in the supplier delivery area, you know, I, I, uh, I count up the transportation comments because I, I think that's where they'll probably show up the most. In March, we had 39% of the comments were transportation related, port, uh, road freight, primarily not so much air freight, but uh, ocean freight, road freight, uh, access to containers. In February, that number was 34%, so we're up five points, you know, about 15%. Um, in January, we are at 28%. In December, 24. So it just continues to get worse, and and I don't see any end in sight, which is a good thing, really, because as long as transportation stays heated that means that there's continuing demand and people are struggling to keep up. So, uh, you know, I think that's the real indicator. Watch transportation. When we see that kind of soften a bit and the problems go away, then it probably indicates that there's a softening at the lowest level of manufacturing. And uh, and that will mean that we're gonna see a softening longer term. But like I said, even when that does happen, we've got all that inventory to refill and, you know, that's probably gonna be a two or three month thing just to do that. And all that backlog to burn off. So, you know, Prices, uh, which is another really sub-element of the input side, uh, 85.6, the highest number since July of 08, and uh, and continuing to go up. Like I said, it's primarily plastic, steel, aluminum, it's copper, brass, uh, a lot of chemicals. You can see them in the report, a lot of different types of chemicals. Uh, PPE doesn't seem to be a big issue anymore, uh, except for gloves. Uh, People seem to be able to get enough PPE. Probably a combination of the uh, supply channels opening up as well as maybe demand softening a little bit. But uh, you know, you know, watch, that, watch the prices index if it starts to ease a bit, you know, down back down in the 70s, and you know it becomes more of a buyer's market. Sellers have a little bit less leverage. Uh, that leverage will probably come from a little bit less demand. But uh, at present, I mean, like I said, the only thing in this report that uh, wasn't super strong was the new export order number. And I think you could probably argue that that's got something to do with Europe going back into another lockdown session, which is really unfortunate. It seems that. It seems that the, the I, well, I think their issue is really that uh, they allowed the European Union to to access their vaccines, and uh, and a, a bit of a bureaucracy maybe they didn't really execute quickly, and uh, they're arguing a bit about allocations and prices per shot. And in the meantime, they've got you know people over there wanting the vaccine. vaccinated. I was on the phone with a friend of mine in Germany the other day, and uh, he told me that his uh, his parents just got their first shot, and they're in their eighties. And here in the US, we're vaccinating 18 year olds. So big, big difference.
0: Yeah, no doubt. Uh, we,
2: one thing that we didn't talk about, it might have an effect on uh, uh, some of the things that we talked about, and that's the uh, import tariffs that uh, we still have in place. And doesn't seem as though the president administration is really uh, gaga over addressing the tariff issue, but wouldn't either lowering the tariffs and lowering the price do something with regards to price pressures here in this country, number one, and also take care of the issue of uh, product shortages?
1: Well, yeah, you've seen the information coming out of the administration that uh, we're in a position with tariffs or primarily with China that we're in a position. And I think you've, you've heard me say, and, and you guys know this, uh, you know, doing business in China and the way China does business worldwide is a little bit inconsistent with, you know, a free market. And, you know, they've got this big brother backing them all up and continues to back them all up. So I, I don't argue with uh, what they're doing. You know, take your time. You're, you're in a situation here that you inherited and don't just take it apart just to take it apart. Uh, it was a primary cause of manufacturing slowing down in the 2019 timeframe. We were in a manufacturing recession back in the summer of 2019 before the pandemic hit. Mm-hmm. So and and uh, the determination was that it was primarily tariff related that the headwinds on tariffs were probably dragging the economy down maybe uh, 0.8 points or maybe even 1 point. So we still have those same tariffs generally. Uh, I think the North American market has been freed up from a steel and aluminum standpoint. But you know take your time with China. Let's let's figure it out. We need to figure it out. Two biggest economies in the world. Uh, our biggest trading partner, the biggest trading partner with Europe. Absolutely important to the world economy. We got to figure it out, but you know take your time. Uh, no comments at all from the panelists on tariffs. None. So we're kind of used to it. Uh, we're probably paying it, and okay, we're paying it. So uh, it's it's probably opportunity for the future growth potential. You know, when they finally kind of come up with a play a, a plan to work it, assuming that China is going to cooperate, and uh, and we're the, the arguments that we have with China are fundamental to how China operates, which is going to be a, a difficult thing to resolve.
0: Sure, always has been. Yeah. <clears throat> And we were uh, going to have a discussion. Uh, gosh, I think it may be as soon as Friday. It could be Monday. With an economist, uh, we've already put the show in the can and we're going to put it out there for the public to hear. Dr. Chris Keel, and he was talking about inventories. And we've shifted from a just-in-time inventory to, uh, uh, when can I get it? Our uh, consumer, I'm sorry, are the but people who have low inventories going to keep their inventories down for cash management purposes.
1: No, I don't think so. I, I think you know if you're operating a factory, supporting a factory, you'll take whatever you can get, and you'll take more of it if you can because it gives you more assurance. And I think some of that is showing up in the new order number. So, and you know, we went from lead times being extended back in the fall of last year to shortages showing up in terms of the primary comments I was getting. So lead times are first. And then shortages showed up, which you would expect because you place your orders in advance, and then a shortage is when you don't have what you want when you expected to get it. So you know, I, you know, I, I I think that factories are taking whatever they can get. They're not very concerned about having overstock in certain items. They're really being eliminated by, by that one or two golden bullet, golden bolt, whatever you want to call it, and it will continue to be that way now for the next six months. Now I've heard of some situations where. Um, people were, were going to take excess inventory and furlough for a while, but they wanted inventory just to make sure that they had it when they restarted. So the whole thing about just-in-time—remember, just-in-time is primarily around quality improvement. It's not so much about inventory management. We kind of converted the two into the same, but it's really about you know make make only a few so that if there's defects or you can improve it, you can improve it very quickly and not have all the stuff that you got to rework and stuff. And then we turn that into a cash flow management thing made it the primary goal of all manufacturing people to keep inventory turns way up. But I, th- I think that's not, a, that's not been an issue now for quite some time. We saw it, obviously, when the uh, pandemic hit, March and April, May, everybody was concerned about liquidity. Uh, that turned out to be not a problem, primarily because the Fed stepped in and provided you know, trillions of dollars of free money, not free, generally free money. So mm-hmm. now, I don't think investing in inventory is anything that anybody is overly concerned about right now besides maybe some manufacturing guys that have sub-optimized objectives. But in the end, they need to have output. It's not so much about making the cash flow numbers, making sure that you make the sales. I think that's where we are today. Okay. Book every order. (laughs) Book every order, build it quickly and ship it. (laughs) (laughs) Extended lead times are bad. I mean, because you know, it's like a whipsaw. When you have extended lead times, people place orders to make sure they're in queue. And then, when demand starts to soften, you've got all these orders out there. Some people may have committed money and funds and resources to it, so there's a value already applied. All of a sudden, you don't need it. Somebody's got to hold it. That was the best rule of thumb: is to hold the inventory at the lowest level of the supply chain. That's always the best rule. And uh, you know, hopefully, we won't get into that mode. But you know, you can see with extended lead times and stuff, which we have. I mean, the steel mills are a good example. I've heard stories about cash on order placement for steel mills and things they don't want to get stuck with inventory either so it's a, it's a great time to be in manufacturing for sure dynamic uh lots of challenges lots of opportunities for people to show their skills i i made a comment earlier that you know the manufacturing people are out there fighting every day to ship the product that you and i want and uh, and they're good at it they know how to do it uh, there's nothing really new here uh it's just the extent of the uh of the impact of it all and you can count on them doing what they got to do because uh, that's what they're going to do and they know how to do it. So a lot of do's and know how to do, but I'm, I'm happy that the, we got good people out there in the U.S. and they know how to make stuff and get it done and, and it's happening. You can see it by the production number.
2: Well, this certainly is one of the best reports that we've heard from ISM in a very long time. This is terrific. And all we have to do is keep our fingers crossed for April.
1: I, th- yeah, I think, I think this is the best, you know, we overperformed by almost three points. So the economic community thought we'd come in at 61 and we came in at 64, seven. So the problem now is okay. What's the expectation for April? I don't yeah. I don't know. I don't know how to answer that. I'm not going to do any predictions anymore. I'm, I'm I, off on everyone.
2: I, I knew not to ask you.
1: Yeah, Don't ask. <laughs> the, the good thing is my predictions are usually conservative and, and we keep overperforming. So let's keep overperforming. I think, you know, we have all industries, the big six industries, all uh, responding well, like I mentioned. Uh, uh, petroleum and coal products came back into uh, over 55 expansion. That was a big help to the, uh, the PMI number. You know, I think computers uh, jumping 10 points on its own PMI was a big help for the manufacturing sector. Uh, offset a little bit by some softening in transportation that will probably continue for another four to six months. And uh, some softening in chemicals, which I think will bounce right back. So, I think we're in a pretty good position here for Q2. Tim?
0: Sounds terrific, Tim, and we appreciate you being with us. As I said at the top of the hour, the ISM report is pretty leading edge. We encourage all of our listeners to go to ismworld.org and get a copy of it. Uh, I think it's just a simple registration, and they can send it to you. They have a really great graphical version of it as well that's worth a good, solid read. Tim, thanks again for being with us to share this extraordinary report.
1: Thanks, Tim. Thanks, Lou. Glad to be here. We'll see you next month.
0: You bet. Very good. Have Talk a stay safe and stay healthy.
1: Yeah, thanks, guys.
0: Thank you. And we've been speaking with Mr. Tim Fiore, who is the committee chair of the Manufacturing Report on Business for the Institute for Supply Management, ismworld.org. And while you're surfing the web, please go to Jacket Media Co co jacket and you can find links to all of our shows and you can also find us on your favorite podcasting platform if you're just listening to the audio version come back and visit us often and thank you for listening to this episode of manufacturing talk radio